and welcome to the BPL Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Laser, and I'm here today with special guest, Devin Kopfer. Devin, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you, Jeff, so much for having me. For sure. So Devin Kopfer is a performer, recording musician, registered Suzuki teacher, and arts entrepreneur based in Columbus, Ohio. Devin currently serves as concertmaster of the McConnell Arts Center Chamber Orchestra, as assistant concertmaster of the New York Granville Symphony Orchestra, and as violinist for Columbus's Janus String Quartet. She is the co-founder and director of Chamber Brews, a chamber music ensemble committed to breaking down the barriers within classical music. Some of her professional collaborations include work with the Ballet Met, Dr. Mark Lomax, Counterfeit Madison, the Central Ohio Discovery Ensemble, and many more. Devin's pop and rock projects include Small Songs, Fables, Low Lights, Babs, and she's a featured vocalist on the 2020 Waves de Ashe album. A consistent recipient of program grants from the Johnstone Fund for New Music and the Greater Columbus Arts Council, Devin is an arts advocate dedicated to sustaining creative programs in the Central Ohio region. So Devin, let's start with Chamber Brews, um, since we have a, a library connection there. So Chamber Brews performed at the library, and I want to say maybe 2018 as a part of our Tea at Three series. Can you talk about the vision and history of Chamber Brews, as well as your recent event on February 28th, which featured the work of three Ohio composers, including the premiere of Sharon Udo's Dig? Yes. Um, so Chamber Brews was a project that I founded with my very good friend and uh, collaborator, Elizabeth Jeremica. And one of the things that we sort of, that we talked about when we were talking about wanting to start some sort of chamber music ensemble. First of all, chamber music isn't really anything fancy. It's just a few people playing music together, right? And and that's really is what chamber music is. And chamber music was born from intimacy. It was born from playing music for people, for your friends in their living room. And so this, there's this rich history of, of sort of like trial and error and discovery and experimentation and failure and, you you know, just kind of like really wild music playing that is in our heart. You know, it's, it's, it's what, it's what we love. It's what, it's what we wanted. So that's, that was the energy that Chamber Brews was born out of. And also secondarily, um, it was born out of a, uh, a real want to put our hands on programming. So, you know, as a, as a freelance musician, especially as a freelance violinist, I have the opportunity, I'm so lucky to play with orchestras and operas and ballets. And um, I collaborate really frequently with so many amazing musicians around Columbus. But I am sort of beholden to what the artistic directors of those programs are choosing to put on. And uh, Elizabeth and I had always wanted to put together programs and then and, and then really talk about the process. What what was the reason why we chose those pieces? Why did we put them together? And then what was the thread? So that was that was Chamber Brews, and it was really about this unveiling, this lifting of the mask behind the process. Because performance art, like so many arts, like visual art, really all you get to see is the final product. That's it. And. of our work happens before that performance date. So if all we get to show you is the performance itself, we actually think that's a little bit of a disservice. We, we want, we wanted initially to really just let the audience in on the process with us. So our typical performances pre COVID, um, looked like about an hour and a half or two hours of performing, um, with 
activities and conversation and discussion and talking about our failures as a group, <laughs> talking about how we grew during that particular program and and why we chose the composers we chose, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's been such a such a powerful opportunity for me to grow as as a collaborator, as a musician, as an artistic director. And so now coming into 2020, with without that really visceral live audience experience, which is something that I am in love with. I love being on stage. I just I love it. I ha- I lost a stage. I didn't I didn't have that opportunity anymore. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so um, I was like, well, what are we doing here? Are we a performing arts organization? Right. Um, I think about this a lot. This idea of the train industry in America. They they thought they were in the train industry, but they were, they were in the transportation industry. And so am I a performing arts ensemble or like a a live performing arts ensemble, or am I, you know, connected to our mission and our vision, which is, uh, collaborating, reaching out, lifting the veil, um, playing music by new composers. Like that's what we're about. We're about sharing our mission and not necessarily just these live performances. So how can we get that to come through with this new medium, which isn't new. It's just, we haven't had to rely on it as heavily as we had before. Mm -hmm. So we ended up putting on some programs in the spring of 2020 that were um, actually a set of collaborations between uh, repertory ensemble members, which right now are myself, uh, Sam Johnson, cellist, and Rachel Kaplan, violist, and where we would play duos. And then we invited our audience members, our kind of that, that, group of constant collaborators that we that we love to play with in so many other ensembles to uh, make videos and create duets with us. So that was our first kind of project in the spring. And then we had been connected with the Columbus Modern Dance Company, which is an ensemble that we were actually going to have a live performance in the fall of 2020. And we kept saying, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? I don't know. So we ended up putting on a program called Duo, where they were able to, we, we were able to select pieces that we individually recorded as on, you know, individual ensemble members, myself, Tom Featherston, Rachel Kaplan, and Sam Johnson. And then the dancers also recorded. And I, I believe one, one of the dances was recorded at the, at the Jeffrey Park mansion. And so it was really just fun, different locations around Columbus, the dancers performed their solos and then the musicians performed their solos. And then we ended up putting that project together and it culminated in a performance of Jesse Montgomery Strum, which is one of my favorite pieces for string quartet right now. So it was really exciting. And then finally, this project, um, Zoe Johnstone saw that duo project with the Columbus Modern Dance Company. And she said, she's the director of the uh, Johnstone Fund for New Music. And she said, I want you to do that. I want, uh, can we do that again? <laughs> I was like, yeah, we can for definitely sure. do that again. <laughs> um, and she had this piece in mind uh, by Christopher Wiet that he ended up renaming the first social dances for string trio for short uh, vignette movements kind of little balls of energy, each of them. And Columbus Modern Dance Company uh, hired a choreographer named Dian Zhang, and she just created this unbelievable 
work of art with these four pieces. And Tierra Suggs uh, did the videography, and so it's Jan, and, and Tierra ended up directing, co-directing those videos. And then that video was a part of a larger project. We ended up, uh, the Johnston Fund for New Music, ended up being able to commission Sharon Udaw to compose a piece for String Trio. And then we were able to pay um, Carmen Moore to also, um, who is a composer originally from Toledo, now based in New York, to um, to play his work blue, uh, red, and green. And so that was that program that we premiered on the 28th. And it was so amazing and so much work. <laughs> but it was such a such a joy to be able to do. And I think, you know, from the beginning, I, I just, I wanted to still create. I wanted to to do what we do and share our process. And we were able to use social media to do that. And then we got to celebrate this performance and I just couldn't be more proud of it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's so great to hear that, you know, it's sort of like, I guess, a testament to resiliency as creative people and as humans, like, well, this is the cards we're dealt. So you found ways to still collaborate with these organizations to still um, carry out your vision and your mission with this group and support the other organizations and composers. It's like so great to see. I'm sorry. You know, I, I really appreciate that. And I just am so blown away by, by the creation in this city. I, I, I think I was just having this conversation. I, I, I meet a new group of creative people in this city every week and that's in a pandemic. <laughs> like, right, right. like I, I'm not even meeting them in person, but I discover them online and I find, you know, and so, you know, th- thinking back to when we were at venues, you know, live venues four or five nights a week and seeing each other, around Columbus and, and I was still meeting, I was meeting new people then. And I, you know, so I think, you know, there's this strength and this bond and, um, and I'm just very grateful to be here and to have been able to put on a program like that. Yeah. And so like this sort of ties into my next question, which was, how would you say like, so we're a year into the pandemic now. So can Mm -hmm. you reflect on the ways that you have adapted and also, how you found inspiration, especially as a working musician and as a creative person. It's like, I have to say personally, like early on in the pandemic, there was sort of this, like it almost feels a bit quaint now. We thought it was going to be so short term that it was like, oh, now I have time to do this and this. And like, I can really hunker down. And then as it stretched out, it was like increasingly difficult, especially in the winter to find like just inspiration on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I, I have to say, I think, um, the Johnstone Fund for New Music was a big reason why at the very onset of the pandemic, I, I was still continuing working. I had a, um, I had a pretty, pretty powerful, uh, series of performances that I was going to be a part of in the spring, including premiering a new work by Rocco Di Pietro and just like a really exciting spring. And then I, um, was well, I was lucky enough to get married to my husband uh, on February 29th of 2020. And everything leading up to the wedding was insane. And I kind of had to put work, you know, on the back burner. And so then it was kind of like, okay, all right, we got our little break. We, you know, we, we got married. It was amazing. And then, 
and and then everything was was canceled and i found myself with all of this time and was just sort of like felt like i could breathe actually for for a second um because i was nervous about my deadlines with those performances <laughs> after the wedding so so all of that went away and then i was approached by zoe and she said hey would you like to put on a concert and I said, absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, thank you for asking me. And so then uh, the Janice String Quartet um, ended up putting together a program of Hindemith and Caroline Shaw that we premiered in June of last year. And so those those pieces were pretty monstrous. And, and so I was able to spend my time practicing them. And then I also produced that video. So I um, I ended up editing the video and putting it together for the premiere. And it was around that time that the duet series from Chamber Brews was happening and I was editing a lot of videos and I was like, huh, this is a little weird, but also I, now I get kind of like how people create content for the internet. Wow. (laughs) And an extremely useful skill. Yeah. Right. And I, (laughs) this was something I was actually able to put off for so long because live performances were sustaining my career. And so I didn't, I, I could put together little trailers, but that's all I needed to do. And so um, now that I had, I sort of was forced into it. And then after June, I can very freely say that I, between June and July, I don't remember a lot of what happened. I, um, sort of, that was my opportunity to stop working. And it was in the middle of the summer, which is usually one of my busier seasons. And I was inside a lot, you know, it, it was, it was a hard, it was a really hard time. And which is weird because, it was the summer <laughs> and, right, right. and it's, you know, the opposite of how I usually feel. Um, but then sort of kind of let myself feel that way. I let myself, it be okay that, that I wasn't, that I wasn't okay, you know? And then sort of coming out of that period, I just sort of let myself dream a little bit. Um, like, okay, now there, there are these opportunities. Well, if you, if you did, get up and create something today, what would it be? And that was when we started thinking about this collaboration with Columbus Modern Dance Company, the the duo program. And I was just really grateful for those, for those women, for Rachel and Laura, um, you know, who, who took on that project with me and the, the individual choreography and the dancers. And, and I got inspired by them. I just, I, I, created my piece and I watched them create the project. And, and, you know, I felt like I gave them, I was like, (laughs) I was like, what, what are we doing? (laughs) And they were like, well, we're going to do this and this and this and this. And I was like, wow, that's so great. (laughs) And then, and then we put those videos together and we edited it and it became this beautiful project. And then from there, um, rolled into that project dig. And, and I do think, that dig saved me this winter. I, I, I didn't feel actually that malaise in the winter because I had, had such a strong sense of this deadline at the end of February. So I was able to kind of work, work through that. And as far as skills are concerned, I mean, yeah, video and audio editing and content creating on a really weekly consistent basis has been something that I, have been annoyed by since I founded Chamber Brews. And so, (laughs) right. And any (laughs) band you've ever been in is like, I think, I think the, the biggest dramas that have ever occurred in any project that I've been a part of has been about 
like brand management and content creation. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it. As you know, someone who those things don't necessarily come natural to to mm. me. So like, yeah, totally get that. Yeah. And not only have, did I sort of like lay the groundwork for what I wanted, right? What, what I wanted that presence to be for each of these, for myself, for Devin Marie music, um, and my, my own website, and then also for Chamber Brews and, um, you know, what, what I actually wanted, you know, when people search my name, what comes up, right? That, that's kind of, I started really having that conversation really seriously for the first time this year. And I don't think that would have happened if it weren't for the pandemic. I think that would have been another thing that I could just you know, put off and be like, oh, it's fine. I'll just practice. And then, you know, that will come. Um, but so it really kind of forced me to take very seriously my online presence and for the organizations that I'm in, for myself and for the people I love and, and kind of creating that, a framework for that, for that sort of currency. Well, yeah, it sounds like, you know, it's good that there are at least these silver linings that you're able to take away. And, 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 you know, that stuff's not going anywhere. The internet for a working musician is obviously going to be here post pandemic. So like now you just have those skills and like, yeah, I I was curious too, you know, as, as an educator, how have you adapted, especially with something as tactile as, um, as music instruction in terms of, you know, doing virtual lessons and whatnot. Mm. I, that, that was another thing that at the beginning of the pandemic, I just spent no time worrying about. I just, I, 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 okay. I was like, okay, zooms it. Here we go. And that, and that very first week I had, I sent an email and I just let families know that this is what, this is how we were going to move forward. And, uh, I got, you know, I got some resistance from, from my families, but, um, it, it was all about, you know, not just about violin lessons becoming ends. It was about, you know, fear in general about the pandemic and what it was doing. And so I just knew that I was going to be, I was going to be centered with them. I was going to show up every week. I was going to be there to support them. We were going to talk about the pandemic. We were going to talk about our families. We were going to, you know, all the things that come up in a music lesson. Well, I, I know that music instruction is way more than just learning how to play the violin, right? We are talking about our hearts and we're talking about our spirit. We're talking about our work ethic. We're talking about our relationship to progress and, and failure and, and success and our family dynamic. And we're, you know, all of these things that come up in a, in a music lesson are huge and powerful. And this, the pandemic was absolutely no exception. And so I really just kind of took that on. I was like, this is just what's going to be happening. And so started opening up every lesson with how are you this week? What's something that's on your mind, you know, that we can talk about? Can we have a clearing at the beginning of each lesson? And then let's get into some work. You know, what, what did your work look like this week? Let's talk about it. And, and so a lot of just kind of creating that space where we're, we're safe here. I might not be with you, but I, I'm safe and I love you. And you're here and I'm here. Let's make some beautiful music together. And I'm really grateful that this happened now rather than five years ago when my internet wasn't as good. And, you know, I, I, it just, there are lots of things that I could be really grateful for. And I've, 
I'm just so over the moon about those families and, and what they've done. And I've, I've had to do a lot of integrating, right? So I, I went to Zoom right away and then started relying really heavily on Google, Google Drive um, and other sharing resources, um, apps like Marco Polo, which is a free um, video sharing app where I, I have my families in on our lessons. So I usually have a lesson with a, with a parent or a guardian in the room. They're taking notes. We're recording our lessons. We, we have the Marco Polo videos that I send for specific practice spots. We're sharing notes. We're, you know, everything, everything that you can imagine about like getting everyone on the same page, everyone involved that, that that's what, that's, that's what we've done. And it's, it's, it's an extension of what I, of how I've always taught, but here I've been able to rely on the families more directly, right? Because in a lesson, I'm shaping bow holds, and I'm and I'm adjusting posture for these students, and I'm and I'm you know helping them find their position. And at home, it, it's the parent, it's it's mom or dad or grandma or grandpa that is in there being my hands. And so, what better way to instruct someone who's going to be with that child every day than to teach them very directly how they can help support their students? So. It's been a huge year for teaching for me. I've learned so much. I'm I'm a way better teacher in March of 2021 than I was in March of 2020. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's so great to hear. It, it sounds like you really like you know you have this sort of like human holistic approach that is going to like translate, like you said, regardless of format. Mm. So you're like, it's not just about hey, here's where your finger goes, and here's how much pressure to apply, and things like that. There's Absolutely, like a lot more to it than that. So, <laughs> yeah. I just I was kind of you know I was thinking before the podcast I, I you know because I, I taught music for some years and it's been a while but mm. you know that was like the first thing that popped into my mind was kind of the basic like mechanics of things like oh how do you even do that in this time but it sounds like you have you have the families as sort of this like surrogate almost yeah definitely family fam the families are a huge part especially. I've actually, I've started a handful of six and under year olds this year. And so my, my three, four, five, six year old students are amazing. I mean, they, they show up with, which is, with such an energy in it. And it is, it's really, it's like, it's palpable. I get, I get so much energy from them, but yeah, I mean, we, we talk about, you know, creating a peak hole with our, with our hands around our eyes. And we talk about creating a tabletop to create a hand shape. And then we move over to our swan position. So it's, it's all of these things. It's, it's very visual. It's very concrete. I try to give them very concrete steps. I tell them to create the circular shape with their hand five times every day. Right. And so what it has been to me is about really effectively communicating with parents and then really effectively communicating with kids in the way, in the ways that they understand, because they are so smart. That is what I learn every single time I take on a new student is that they understand absolutely everything I'm saying. And if there is ever an issue, then it's my fault <laughs> because I haven't learned, you know, the way to effectively communicate what's what I, what I'm trying to say. And so the more that I can get to know these families and the more that I can affect my communication, the, you know, ultimately the stronger we all are, I become a stronger teacher. Uh, they continue to be the strong students that they are because I'm just convinced that they do no wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so good to hear that. And because I feel like, I mean, it's a lot of the things that you hear about like education as a whole, not even just music education from the past year, there's been like 
it's just been a, a tough year for educators. So I'm glad to mm-hmm. hear that, you know, you feel like it's largely been a success and you've grown and the families have grown, the students have grown. Yeah. And, and I really can't take, um, you know, I, I am, I am an educator, but I have not had to work through the hardships that teachers in, in schools and teachers working, you know, underneath, um, you know, larger organizations have had to deal with. I, I consider myself very lucky because any new system I wanted to impl- implement and, and try out, I, I could, I, I can experiment with things like that because I, because I am independent and I know that there is a lot of privilege associated with that. So I, I consider myself to be very, very lucky. That, that's a great point. Very good point. Uh, well, as far, as far as your own content and your own projects and whatnot, um, is there anything you want to plug or is there, you want to let our listeners know how, how they can access all your different projects and whatnot? Yeah, sure. So I've made um, devinmariemusic.com as a really nice landing page. So from devinmariemusic.com, you can get to you can get to all my different bands that I'm a part of. You can get to links to different ensembles that I'm a, a part of. Um, there are links to videos and recordings. And, you know, luckily I feel, I feel very, very strongly and confident in saying that that content will only grow. And, um, actually sort of excitingly, I'm, I'm working on a couple of recording projects, uh, small songs. My, my band, um, is, we're set to release our, third full-length album this summer, um, which is an album called First, and I am just so excited to to release that album. Um, and then I actually, I'll be releasing a single at the end. Well, I, I don't know if I'll actually be releasing the single, but I wrote a song, so it's not, it's not, fancy, but, um, there is a series happening right now called women to women to note on, um, Facebook and I think maybe Instagram. And so I, um, that song will be premiering on the 31st of March. So if you want to hear a little bit about my own writing, then that is happening then. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Devin, for being on the podcast. Yes. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. It is very fun to talk to you because I haven't seen you in forever. And also um, really awesome to just talk about this year and how weird, but awesome and bad and cool it has been. It's, yeah, it's been a lot of things all at once. <laughs> that's for sure. So yeah, it's a great talking with you, Devin. Um, and for our listeners, be sure to check out. It's Devin Marie Music, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast with Devin Kopfer. Be sure to check out all of our upcoming events and learn more about Bexley Public Library at our website, bexleylibrary.org, or follow us across social media platforms at Bexley Library, and help our podcast grow by rating us five stars and recommending us to a friend. Thanks. Bye.